Hi friends, thanks for joining us today. Well, for a long time the church has been wearing the wrong clothes and we've been paying the price for it. We've been wearing clothes that we've made ourselves or we've been willing to take on government-issued clothing and we haven't looked good in it. In fact, we've looked pretty bad and pretty shabby. The clothes we've been wearing are stained with the blood and the lives of others. The recent discovery of the graves at the Kamloops Residential School is evidence of that. You know, a recent poll that just came out this week suggests that 66% of Canadians blame the church for the residential schools. And we might be quick to point out and say, oh, well, that wasn't our church, that's these other churches. And before you consider doing that, let me suggest this. The propensity to be that way is within each and every one of us. And the propensity to do what was done is within every congregation. Whenever we put someone or something in the center of our lives, either personally or communally, that is not Jesus. Anytime we replace Jesus at the center with something else or somebody else, we're wearing the wrong clothes and we look shabby. In fact, we look terrible, and we are not representing Jesus the way that he invited us to. This isn't a time to point out the blemish in other groups like the government or corporations either. They will have to account for who they are and what they have done. This is a time for the church to acknowledge what was done, what we have done, and to repent of that, and then to seek reconciliation and I think even better than that, to take the advice of a wise uh, First Nations woman who said, reconciliation assumes that there was something good to begin with, and there never was a healthy relationship. So let's seek to start over into something new and beautiful. We've been wearing the clothes that we made for ourselves, or the clothes that others have offered us, and we've just found out they don't fit very well. And they don't suit us. So there's good news though. There is another option. And that's the passage that we've looked at today begins to highlight for us that Jesus has provided a whole new wardrobe for us. The difficulty is we need to be willing to take off the old clothes. That's what Steve touched on last week. And you can watch what the teaching he did last week. If we're going to put on the new clothes that Jesus provides for us and the new life that he offers us, then we need to be willing to take off the old clothes. And that means we have to get naked before God and in many respects before each other. And that may make you uncomfortable even having me say that. We are afraid to take off the old clothes because in our nakedness, we are afraid of what God will say or do. And there's more good news. God already sees you underneath the old clothes that you've been wearing, the old clothes that we've been wearing. And he loves us still. Jesus has, through his death and his resurrection, provided the new wardrobe for us, even as he knew what we were wearing. 
And what this passage that Claire has read for us this morning begins to highlight is that there's this ongoing experience of taking off the old clothes and putting on the new clothes that Jesus gave us and then keeping them on. And so that's what we want to look at today, this passage that Paul shares for us. We want to look like Jesus, and we can only look like Jesus when we put on the clothes that Jesus has given us to wear. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Colossians 1 verse 15, which says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Or Colossians 2 9, which says, all the fullness of deity was pleased to live in bodily form. Everything about God was in Jesus. And so what we've been saying is that God always looks like Jesus. But there's a natural question that comes out of that then. If God always looks like Jesus, what does Jesus look like? And someone might answer and say, well, Jesus looks like the Jesus we read about in the Gospels or in the New Testament. And that's completely valid. He does. And that's why we need to constantly be in the Scriptures and particularly meeting Jesus in the Gospels and in the New Testament writers and how they describe him and what it means to live in him. And some might say we meet Jesus in the Spirit of Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Again, this is absolutely true. And many of you have experienced that mystical realm of the Spirit at work within you, in your mind, in your heart. And yet I think what Paul is doing here in this passage, the Apostle Paul, which he does in a lot of his writing, and in which most of the New Testament writers do, is he invites his readers to consider that people see Jesus and meet Jesus in the community of followers who have chosen to gather together and unite themselves with Jesus in the center. And so, people discover Jesus and they see Jesus in the church. And this is why Paul is saying, as he does in in verse 10, which we looked at last week, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. And then Paul goes on to say, you know, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us in verse 11. And then we come to verse 12, which was read for us this morning, and there's that big word, therefore. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with. And there's that putting on the clothes. And so Paul has this wonderful theme of, in, in various places in his writing, of putting off the old clothes or putting off the old nature and putting on the new clothes or the new nature that we have in Christ. <clears throat> and we just want to walk through and, and look at what, is it, what does it mean for a community to be dressed like what's been described in this passage here this morning. And I want to highlight this, that Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, or, or, or another translation says, since God chose you to be the holy people. And there's this idea in a lot of the New Testament writing that sometimes we miss, and it's just simply this. God has done this so that you can now do that. Sometimes I think we have spent a lot of time being told what to do. And, and more and more, I, I don't think that's sitting well with people. And, and I think we've missed the, 
the beauty of this principle that Paul does here in Colossians. He spends most of Colossians 1 and quite a bit of Colossians 2 of saying, this is what God has done for you. And then he moves into Colossians 3 where he says, now you can do this. And, and it's this principle that God has done this for you. And it's not like, well, you have to do this in order for God to do this. It's the other way around. God has done this, and because he's done that, now you can do this. God has loved you so that you can love others. God has died for you so that you can have life. God has given you new clothes in Christ, so now you can put them on, and you can begin to wear them and live them out. Another example, the letter to the Ephesians. It's six chapters, and Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are a lot of, you know, saying this is what you need to do as God's people. But that follows Ephesians 1 to 3, which is all about what God has done for you in Christ. And the you is plural. What God has done for you as, as a people, as a community. And so God has done this. God has chosen us. God has provided new life for us in Christ so that we can become like him. God has given us a whole new wardrobe in Christ so now the obvious correlation to that is put on the new clothes. Take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. And then Paul describes what those new clothes are for us. Living what Jesus looks like. If God always looks like Jesus, what does Jesus look like? Jesus looks like the church when the church wears these clothes rather than the ones that we've sometimes been willing to wear. And so he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Put on these new clothes, and when you put on these new clothes, you're beginning to show people what Jesus looks like as a community. That word for compassion is a, is a word that, that references that deep inner gut feeling you get when you see an injustice or you see somebody that something is wrong for them and you feel that deep empathy you're moved there's a visceral reaction that's kind of the idea of this of this concept of compassion and then it moves you to action you know um, when we talk about kindness and humility we, we kind of understand that the idea of gentleness well gentleness might mean different things to different people or different things to different groups of people so you have this wonderful opportunity when you come together to experience not only what these are like, but how people understand them differently. And we learn from each other and we adapt to one another, which is what he gets to in the very next verse. And he talks about this wonderful thing called patience. And then that leads into this idea of bearing with one another and forgiveness. So here's some clothes to put on, Paul says. You know, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And then he says, now let's add to the wardrobe a little bit more. In verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults or bear with one another. And, I, and it's just so wonderful that this is here. It is so easy to be annoyed by people. Not that that ever happens with people who hang out with me. But when you spend a lot of time with people, you discover their idiosyncrasies. You discover the things that just bug you. And it's so tempting to want to point them out. Or in good Canadian fashion, don't say anything, but somehow figure out passive-aggressively how to, how to get back at them or work against them. 
you know, this is a, a commercial for our Sharpening Your Interpersonal Skills course, which we would like to um, offer again when we are able to meet in person because we talk about a lot of this kind of thing. But there's the opportunity to just bear with people and realize you don't have to point out everything. There, there are times when, when you can let it go, and then there are times when you need to address whatever the issue is. And then Paul moves on to say, now let's add another article of clothing, the idea of forgiveness, the beauty of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. In fact, we recently did a, a Facebook poll on, uh, and a social media poll about asking people about um, some of the teaching that is centered around Jesus. Um, you know, what would the topic be that you'd like to learn about? And an overwhelming response that came through again and again and again was the idea of forgiveness. So this autumn, we're going to do a teaching series about forgiveness as we forgive. And we will explore all the facets of forgiveness and what that means for us. Then Paul moves on in the next verse, verse 14, and he says, now, to tie all of these together, you need something that's going to tie the ensemble together, and that is the concept of love. In fact, you can read that verse that love ties all these qualities together, or love is what unites us, and it unites us around Jesus. And I think either, either reading works and makes perfect sense. So we're just we're, we're walking through the new wardrobe that Jesus provides for us, and it's getting... Um, classier and classier. Like we're just going to be dressed so well when we put on these clothes. Then of course he moves on to the next verse. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. So now Paul's offering up this idea of peace and thankfulness. Communities that are characterized um, by not only all these things we've been through but the sense of peace, that people who normally would not intentionally gather together are in the same space, and not only are they in the same space, they are embracing one another in love. And they are both turned toward Jesus, and he is uniting them. That is the gospel of peace, and I'm not sure we can fully represent Jesus to the world unless we are willing to embrace the way of peace. And, and make no mistake, that is a hard road to choose. But it shows people the power of the good news of Jesus when people who are enemies no longer are. And that could be individuals, but I think again in the context, it's even just the whole concept of people groups that have been warring for generations, now together, united in Christ. If God always looks like Jesus, then what does Jesus look like? I'd like to suggest from this passage that Jesus looks more like a mosaic than he does a portrait. And what I mean by that is this. Individual people can represent Jesus really well. And the world sees Jesus in an individual. But the world sees Jesus much more clearly and more powerfully when there's a group of people who come together and all of those images, all those various people are brought together in the image of Jesus and they form Jesus, uh, the, the image of Jesus in community. And so I think if God always looks like Jesus, what does Jesus look like? He looks more like a mosaic than he does a portrait. And and Paul is going on here and saying, we are representatives of Christ in everything you do. Whatever it is that you do, do it in the name of Jesus. We are Christ's representatives. 
In another passage in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says that we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent Jesus to the world. And if we're going to represent Jesus to the world, then we want to look good. And you look good, the clothes make the person, the clothes make the community, and the Apostle Paul is saying, here is some of the wardrobe that Jesus has provided for us. And I don't want to miss this idea in verse 16, where Paul says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And then he goes on to talk about teaching and counseling one another with all the wisdom that he gives. You see, it's one thing to say, hey, I, I want to follow Jesus and I'm going to do my best to wear these clothes. But it's the, it's the power of doing it in community that allows you to do it well. You know, earlier in, in chapter 3, the first couple of verses, he's saying, um, because you have a new life in Christ, set your mind on the things of heaven. Set your heart on the things of Jesus. Keep your focus on him. Well, it is so much easier to do that in the context of community with others than it is to do it by yourself. And, and Paul is just adding to this the beauty of the community that the community of Christ is, is not just a community where one person is in charge. We teach each other. We counsel each other. And that's not to ignore that some people have teaching gifts. But I think what Paul is doing with the clothes theme, he's saying, listen, you know, put on these new clothes and hey, from time to time, you got to put on the dance clothes. And you just need to dance to the music of Jesus together and sing your songs and your hymns and your spiritual songs. And when, when we're teaching one another in community, um, it's a beautiful music. It creates a beautiful sound. And when we are singing together, we are teaching one another. And there's this value of how teaching, good teaching, is like good music. And when we are singing together, literally, we are teaching one another. Everyone who is filled with the Spirit and committed to Jesus in the community has the opportunity to teach others. And we all have the opportunity to receive. So if God always looks like Jesus, then Jesus is best represented by community than by the individual. Jesus looks more like a mosaic than he does a portrait. So what if we lived like this, the way Paul describes? What would happen to you as an individual if you were part of a community characterized by compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? where people bear with each other and they forgive each other, where they are united in love, where they are experiencing the peace of Jesus and they are enjoying learning together what it means to become more and more like Him and getting to know God better in community. What happens to people who are looking at that from the outside? What does that mean for them when we just live this way in the open? When we put off the old clothes, strip ourselves naked, and put on the new clothes in Christ. And I know that's giving you some, some weird images. I know that I'm saying, hey, let's get naked um, so that we can put on the new clothes of Jesus. I know the images that are going on in your head, so I, I'm not naive about that. I'm wanting to use that imagery on purpose because I think it's valid. Because for most of us, nakedness equates with shame. And when we are naked before another, we are completely vulnerable. And that is exactly the way we're invited to approach Jesus 
And that is exactly the way we are invited to build community in vulnerability, which builds the trust and the love that we can have for one another as Jesus gives that to us. If we lived out the things in this passage, how would that change you? How would that change the people around you? So I invite you to consider this. As we begin regathering in person, for 18 months, we really haven't met together in person, or close to 18 months. I don't even know how many months it is now. And you've developed habits of not really being in community. Yes, we've gathered on Sundays or during the week, you watch, but it's been a real struggle to be together. And now we have the opportunity to begin to regather um, on Sundays in smaller ways until restrictions ease more, on Thursday nights with the campfires. And as we move, obviously, into the autumn and September, uh, a larger relaunch and regathering. How important is this idea of, of the Mosaic community representing Jesus to you? And what changes or recommitments are you going to make so that the community is, is a big part of your faith journey? God has done this for us, but now we're asked to do this. Not because we must, but because he's made it possible for us to. And when we do, we experience the beauty of being well-dressed together and showing the world what Jesus looks like. So I'm going to invite you to consider the coming weeks and months and what it means for your part in the community that we call New Life. And invite you back to the face-to-face, unmediated version of, of the mosaic of Christ in community. Jesus will be discovered more in community than in the individual. Jesus looks more like a mosaic than a portrait. And you are part of that mosaic. Father God, you are merciful and gracious. And we confess to you today that we have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves As a church, we continue to to repent of the dirty, ragged clothes that we've been wearing that we made for ourselves, our unwillingness to take them off and to receive the new life, the new wardrobe that you've provided for us in Jesus. As we begin to meet in person in many different varieties, in places and venues and formats. May we experience the joy of wearing these new clothes in Christ. And may it profoundly impact us. And may it be a wonderful mosaic of the Lordship of Jesus to those who are watching. Amen. Thanks for journeying with us this week, and uh, we trust that uh, we will see some of you this coming Thursday at the fires, uh, the fire that we will have here at New Life at uh, 7 o'clock Thursday evening. Um, 
bring your lawn chair, bring whatever you want for snacking and hang out and, and reconnect with people and we'll center ourselves around Christ. We'll see you soon. <laughs>